In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Bible study today is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3. Let me start by giving a quick introduction about this chapter. This chapter actually is divided into two main parts. The first part is about the message and the ministry of St. John the Baptist. And the second part, the purpose and meaning of the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, it, it, this chapter covers the ministry of St. John the Baptist and then the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's start reading verse by verse and understanding the, the meaning of each verse. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Chapter 2 ended by the visit of the wise men to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then chapter 3 started by the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's clear here that St. Matthew skipped about 30 years uh, in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ because the Gospels are not historical books. They are not recording for us history. But they are, the word Gospel, Evangelion, means good news, glad tidings. So the purpose of the Gospel is to share with us the good news of salvation. So that's why St. Matthew jumped into the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, because this is what is pertaining to our salvation. That's why we don't find anything recorded in the four Gospels about the 30 years of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe except one event when the Lord was 12 years old and he entered the temple uh, and was uh, asking uh, the religious leader in the temple as recorded by St. Luke. But here actually uh, St. Matthew uh, jumped into uh, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ was connected and related strongly with the ministry of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist is the forerunner, the person who came to prepare and to pave the way for the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he couldn't speak about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ without referring to the ministry of St. John the Baptist. So, that's why we call St. John as a forerunner. Because uh, by preaching repentance in the wilderness of Judea, he is preparing the way for the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we read. John the Baptist was preaching baptism of repentance. He told them, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist is called the Baptist because he was baptizer. He baptized people. And of course, he baptizes the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why his name is John the Baptist. 
And John the Baptist was a preacher and reformer. He preached the kingdom of heaven, but also he made a lot of reformation among the uh, Jewish people. There are many prophecies about John the Baptist in the Old Testament, but at least the two important prophecies about John the Baptist you find them in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. When Isaiah spoke about John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And the second important prophecy about John the Baptist in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, when the Lord said, I will send you Elijah before my angel before the coming of the Lord. And Archangel Gabriel, when he announced the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah, he said to Zechariah, he will come in the spirit of Elijah. So this prophecy also in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 is about John the Baptist. Uh, as I told you, his birth was announced by Archangel Gabriel and John the Baptist was from a priestly family. His father was a priest, Zechariah the priest. He is the son of Zechariah. And also his mother, Elizabeth, is the cousin of St. Mary. Cousin of St. Mary. It was according to the Jewish tradition, the priest started his ministry at age of 30 years old. And John the Baptist was older than the Lord Jesus Christ by six months. So he started his ministry six months before the Lord Jesus Christ. And in these six months, he paved the way, he prepared the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. The wilderness of Judea is a region thinly inhabited. It's wilderness. So it was not really inhabited thinly inhabited, used mostly for pasture, for the shepherd to tend the flock there. And it is a rocky tract in the eastern part of Judea and west of the Jordan and the Dead Sea. So the wilderness of Judea, it is rocky tract in the eastern part of Judea, west of the Jordan and west of the Dead Sea. Uh, the great rite that John the Baptist used is baptism. But the great commandment he preached is repentance. That's why he called people to repent and by being baptized, that's why his baptism is called baptism of uh, repentance. The word Repent, as I explained yesterday, in Greek language, means uh, metania. And it, it's composed of two words. Meta means to change or to transform or to renew. Meta, noia, noia is from the word nous. Nous in Greek means mind. So meta, noia, means changing the mind or renewing the mind. 
As the Paul said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So what's repentance? Repentance means changing or renewing our mind and hearts from evil to good. It's like making a U-turn. Instead of going in the direction of evil, now you change your mind. You change your direction. You renew your mind. So you come to Christ. You approach Christ. You get closer to Christ to abide in Him, and He abides in you. He said, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Actually, all the people were waiting for the kingdom, but their understanding of the kingdom was earthly understanding. But when John the Baptist preached, he was speaking about the heavenly kingdom of Christ. So yes, the heavenly kingdom of Christ is started by the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the day of his crucifixion, he transferred all of, all of us, those who believed in him, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. As St. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, he transferred us into the kingdom of his son. That's why in our prayers, when we refer to the Lord Jesus Christ, we say, our king, the king of us all. Because he is our king. And our citizenship, as St. Paul said in Ephesians, is heavenly. Because now we are citizens of the heavenly kingdom. So our citizenship is a heavenly citizenship. So the long-expected kingdom ruled by the Messiah, the king, and was predicted by the prophets, especially by Daniel, as we read in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. This kingdom now, St. John is saying, is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Of course, all the people in Judea were thrilled to hear that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's why great multitude went to John the Baptist to be baptized, to repent, and to be ready for the manifestation of this kingdom. And when he said at hand, he is not speaking about a kingdom in the future, but something very near. And as I told you, he was speaking about the kingdom of Christ that was established on the day of his crucifixion. Uh, crucifixion so it is the kingdom of heaven, not an earthly kingdom. And because it is an heavenly kingdom, so its king should come from heaven. That's why Christ was born. He came from heaven and was born to be our heavenly king. So the kingdom of the Messiah, whose government will be heavenly, are nothing but heavenly. And if you want to be member in this kingdom, I know all of us who are already members in this kingdom, all who believe in Jesus Christ, but we need to have the heavenly mind, to set our minds on things above. If you are, your citizenship is heavenly, then your mind should be heavenly too. As St. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, set your minds on things above, not on things below.
So in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 3. For this is he, John is he, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, now he's quoting the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So, St. Matthew here is referring to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40. 40 verse 3. Uh, John was called just a voice. He is the voice of one who is crying. Who is crying in the wilderness of the world is Christ. And John is the voice of, of Christ. So John was called a voice because the whole man was a servant. He's a servant. His life is a servant. That's why he is the voice of Christ. And why also he was called just a voice? Because he did not bring attention to himself as a person, but he was calling people and bringing attention to the Savior, to the Messiah. He's just a forerunner, a person to prepare the way. That's why he was called a voice. Uh, at that time, actually, the messengers were sent before the eastern kings, <coughs> preparing the way for the chariots and the armies of the king. So John actually is saying, I am coming here to prepare the way. How the messengers used to prepare the way for the chariots of the king? They used to pave the way for the highway to be smooth. That's why if there is any valleys or depths, they will fill it up. And if there is any hills, it will be leveled. So that the way will be straight. And, and John the Baptist took this uh, analogy. And Isaiah, when he prophesied about the ministry of, of John the Baptist, he said, make the way of the Lord straight, so that the valleys will be filled and the hills will be leveled. Meaning what? The valleys, those who are abased, those we look down on, on them, God will, will elevate them. And those who are proud, God actually will lower them. So Christ came here in order to make all of us equals, members in his body. As St. Mary said in her magnificence, her magnificent. You know, he put down the proud from their thrones and he lifted up the lowly. So these are the valleys that will be filled and the hills that will be uh, leveled. In the same way, 
any pride in us, any arrogance in us. In order to pave the way for Christ, you need to humble yourself. And any insecurity, any weakness should be strengthened. So the values like the weaknesses and the hills in my life like the arrogance. So Christ comes in order to make me humble but not to make me feel inferior. And that's actually the difference between humbleness and inferiority. Humbleness, I say I am nothing, but I can do all things in Jesus Christ who strengthens me. But the inferior, he will say I'm nothing, I'm a failure. And that's it. So, uh, that is what the Lord comes. And that is the message of, of John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Lord. And he used the word wilderness because wilderness it symbolizes the evil. So, St. John uh, calls for people who are abiding in evil, telling them, put your arrogance down and raise your insecurity, have confidence in God, and in this way you will be ready for the birth of Christ. Also, when he said, make his path straight, he meant stop your crooked ways. Don't use crooked way in order to reach your goal. Be transparent. Be clear. That's what he meant by make his path straight. Actually, this verse from Isaiah is quoted in all four Gospels. In all four Gospels. Uh, in order to emphasize that John the Baptist, as a forerunner, is a connecting link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's considered the last prophet in the Old Testament, but also he is the forerunner, the first one who paved the way for the New Testament. Verse 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Uh, so his clothes was a sort of coarse or rough garment, made of camel's hair, woven in uh, a coarse fabric. And this actually was common to all the prophets in the Old Testament. If you read Zechariah chapter 13, verse 4, you will find this also the garment of the prophet. So he was uh, vested in a garment that's very, very common for all the prophets. Also, uh, Elijah was clothed in the same garment as you read in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 8. Elijah, the prophet, was clothed in a similar garment, as you read in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, and as I told you, John the Baptist came in the spirit of uh, Elijah. That's why uh, in, in Malachi chapter 4, 
verse 5, we read that John the Baptist acquired the same spirit and the same qualification like Elijah. If we read Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. If you read the announcement of Archangel Gabriel to Zechariah about the ministry of John the Baptist, he used the same words. He will uh, turn the heart of the father to the children. The same words that were mentioned about Elijah. Uh, also, in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, we find that John the Baptist took the same habit and lived in the <coughs> same state of self-denial like Elijah. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So it is the same ministry of Elijah. Verse 5. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Here actually his calling found a good response. Great multitudes went to see him. They were impressed and moved by his preaching. And John the Baptist used the rite of baptism. The word baptize means to die. Die, D-Y-E, not D-I-E, D-Y-E, to die, useful. So the word baptism signifies the word to die. And the baptism of John was like a public, a public seal of their need to be delivered from sin and of their expectation of the coming deliverer, the Messiah, who will come to deliver them and their readiness to welcome him when he appeared. So it is a public seal only. It is totally different from the baptism of the New uh, Testament, the Christian baptism. In the book of uh, Acts, when St. Paul found people were baptized by the baptism of John, did he accept it as baptism of the New Testament, or he asked them to be baptized again? He asked them to be baptized again. And he told them, John just baptized uh, by water for repentance. But the new baptism is from water 
and spirit. You are born from above. So that's why I said this baptism is just a seal to indicate. Number one, I am suffering from sin and I am, I, I am expecting a deliverer. Number two, I am willing to submit my life to this deliverer, to this Messiah, to deliver me from the bondage of sin. And number three, I am ready for his coming. So, this baptism, that's why they confess their sin. <coughs> confess their sin means they are suffering from sin. Number two, they are expecting a deliverer. Number three, they are ready to submit themselves to uh, the deliverer, which is the Messiah, Christ. Baptism is by total immersion. It is burial in the water, baptism into death. A symbol of the burial of one who dies to old life and start a new life. As if I'm saying the old man is dead and now I'm a new man in Christ. That's why the confession and repentance is related to baptism. And as St. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I died in the waters of baptism, and now it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The confession was a verbal confession, confessing their sins verbally. And here actually the rite of confession is not recent, it's not something new. Actually it is as old as the time of John the Baptist, but even older than John the Baptist, in the <coughs> sin uh, sacrifice or sin offering as a trespass offering, the people used to bring the sacrifice and put their hand on the head and confess their sins before the offering is killed or offered as a sacrifice. The acknowledgement of sin, repentance and baptism are prescribed here as conditions for forgiveness. To repent, to acknowledge your sin, to confess your sin, and to be baptized are conditions for forgiveness. Why God asked us to do verbal confession? Because there are many benefits here. My spiritual father will hold me accountable. He will pray with me and for me, and he will give me advice. Even now in the Protestant churches who don't accept confession as one of the sacraments, they do accountability groups because they found when people hold me accountable, I can improve. Even in treatment of addiction, what is the idea of support group like Alcohol Anonymous or any type of uh, uh, support group for addiction? It's to hold the person accountable. So the person will confess or acknowledge his weakness and the group will support him and will hold him accountable. So God actually, before they think about the support group, God actually made this support group between me and my spiritual father. When I talk to him, I will get into this supportive link in which he will support me he will pray for me, he will pray with me, he will give me advice, and also he will hold me accountable. 
That's why God advised us and insisted that we do verbal confession to his stewards, the priests. Verse uh, 7. Among those who went to John the Baptist were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, as we read in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Why St. John sounds here a little bit tough with them? Who are the Pharisees and who are the Sadducees? The Pharisees actually were the most wealthy sect of the Jews. And they were very, very numerous. And they derived their names from a Hebrew word, Farash, or Faras, which means to set apart. In Arabic, Yafris, to set apart. Yafris Ferrisi, as you know, the Arabic and the Aramaic or the Hebrew are very close because they are Semitic language. So, Yafris Ferrisi. Uh, in, in Hebrew, Faras or Farash, which means to separate, to sit apart. And why they call them Pharisees? Because they separated themselves from the rest of the Jews. They consider themselves on a higher level than the rest of the Jews. Because they were very strict in religion. Very strict literally, but not spiritually. That's why they were hypocrite. They kept the commandment from outside, but from inside they did not keep the commandment. They followed the literal meaning of the commandment, not the spiritual meaning of the commandment. That's why during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they followed a lot of formalities and paid more attention to the outward form of religion than to the inner life. They paid more attention to the outward form of religion more than the inner life. For example, they were very diligent in observing ceremonies. Very uh, orthodox, orthodox mean uh, following the rules to the letter. And they were filled with spiritual pride because they felt they are better than others. And they used to say, if two Jewish persons die and went to heaven, one of them must be a Pharisee. That is how they considered themselves. Uh, and from the very early of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they opposed him and they stood against him because they felt they are better even than the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the Pharisees. That's why St. John was 
uh, surprised to see them coming to his baptism. They came to his baptism not because he really repented, but to fulfill one of the ceremonies, to feel more self-righteous. That's why he told them, why are you coming here? Unless you bear fruit of repentance, what you are doing will not benefit you. Bear fruits of repentance. These are the, uh, the Pharisees. Sadducees, they drive their names from Saduk, the founder of this sect. Their grand-grand-grandfather who founded the sect, his name is Saduk. And the Sadducees denied the existence of angels. They denied the existence of spirit. And uh, they also denied the resurrection of the dead. And because they denied the existence of spirit and angels, actually they doubted all the divine influence and divine inspiration. And by the way, Anas and Kifas, the high priests, were Sadducees. John the Baptist called them brood of vipers. Brood of vipers. Why? There is no serpent that is more poisonous than the viper. Why John the Baptist called them brood of vipers? Because he wanted to express their deadly influence of both sects, the Pharisees and Sadducees, upon the community. Because one sect, the Pharisees, teach people hypocrisy, how to keep the outward form of religion without being attention to the inner life. And this makes people hypocrite, prideful, self-righteous. And the other sect deny resurrection of the dead, deny the spirit, deny the angels, deny the divine inspiration, deny the divine influence. So the teaching and the influence of both sects like the poison of the viper. That's why he called them brood of vipers. Both alike, they poisoned the nation's religious principles. They poisoned the people with their religious principles. <coughs> so St. John, as if when he saw them coming to his baptism, he was astonished that they are coming to him. And he was questioning, are you really coming because you repented or just part of the showing of whether he was astonished whether their hardened heart and the hypocritical way were uh, really, really pierced by God and now they are seeking repentance or they are just coming again as a part of showing off. He told them, who showed you to flee from the coming wrath, brood of vipers, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So, are your hearts pierced with the Holy Spirit? And now you are coming because you want to escape the coming wrath, or you are doing 
this part of your hypocrisy. So as if he is saying, don't bring your crafty and deceitful way to the baptism. Don't carry your hypocrisy into your repentance, but prove your sincerity by forsaking the sin. And thus give evidence that you are repented by bearing the fruit of repentance. That's why in verse 8 he told them, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And I hope that every time we go for confession or communion, we remember these words, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Lest, you know, our confession and our uh, communion will be just a routine or part of showing off that we are members in the church, but without real change of the heart and mind. Again, do you remember the word repentance means what? Change of heart and mind. So, if our hearts and minds are changed really, then we will have fruit of repentance. John the Baptist had the gift of knowing the human heart. As a prophet, God revealed to him the secrets of the heart. Like a true minister of righteousness and lover of souls, so here he directed them to how to carry out their repentance, to bear fruits worthy of repentance, to make a genuine repentance, uh, not a hypocritical practice. So he's telling them the change of life is the proof of the change of heart. If your heart is changing and your mind is changing, then I must see change in your behavior. Change of life is the proof of the change of heart. You cannot claim that your heart changed and your mind changed while your behavior and your life did not change. Verse 9. Don't think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. One of their moment uh, of the points they take pride in, <coughs> they used to say, who are the children of Abraham? And they believed that all the race of Abraham will be saved. And anybody outside the race of Abraham will be destroyed. So, St. John is saying, no, that's not true. Don't trust that you are from the, the race of Abraham, you are the descendant of Abraham, so you will be saved automatically. Uh, he told them, no. Even from these stones, who are the stones here? The Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Why St. John described them as stones? Because their hearts were hardened. You remember in Ezekiel, God told us, I will take from you the hardened hearts, the hearts of stone, and I will give you hearts of flesh. So here the Gentiles who did not know God, their hearts were hearts of stone. 
So God thought of them. St. John the Baptist thought of them. God is able to make from these stones spiritual children of Abraham by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. Because we, who are not Jewish, we are a Gentiles. So our hearts were hearts of stone. But God, by the Holy Spirit, He removed the heart of stone and He made out of us the stones. He made spiritual children to Abraham. Now we call Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob our spiritual fathers. So we are children to Abraham by faith because we walked in the faith of Abraham as St. Paul explained this in detail in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. Verse 10. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Why he said that the axe the at the root of the tree? To say it is intended that the whole tree will be cut down from its roots. Because if the tree is trimmed or cut, or cut only the limbs of the tree, you know, it can grow again. But when he said the axe is laid at the root, this means the very tree itself was to be struck. <coughs> the tree here can refer either to a person who just accepts religion from outside, externally, but with no inner change. Or actually, the tree can refer to the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he said, the axe is at the root of the tree. Now, God will take uh, the, the, the word my people from the Jewish nation and will give it to the stones, will give it to the Gentiles. As he said, he said in Mosiah, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and those who are not beloved to be beloved. That's why he said, unless you bear fruit, unless you bear fruit, that tree will be cut down. So, to say I repent, to say I'm confessing my sins is not enough. You need actually to prove this by a holy life, by a change in your life. And I'm sure you remember the fig tree. The fig tree had leaves but no fruits. That's why the Lord cursed the fig tree, as we read in Luke. Uh, 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 in the Gospel of St. Luke, cursing the fig tree because it did not have any fruit. And it symbolized the Jewish nation who had a lot of ceremonies, a lot of rituals, but no spirituality. So a lot of leaves, but no fruits in their life.
so the message here of John the Baptist, what does not bear fruit shall finally be destroyed, shall finally be destroyed and thrown into uh, the fire. Thrown into the fire, this fire is described in, in, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, as everlasting fire, everlasting punishment. This fire is unquenchable fire. So, thrown into the fire, he's referring to the punishment of those who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ in the eternal <coughs> lake of fire. The eternal and everlasting torment for the people who did not repent and uh, did not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we read in the book of Revelation, the smoke ascended up forever and ever. The smoke ascended up forever and ever. That's why this fire is called unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Verse 11. Now St. John is differentiating his baptism from the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. My baptism is baptism of water. But he, Christ, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, St. John is saying, my baptism is only a water baptism. But the King, Christ, coming after me, he will send the Holy Spirit and he will give a mightier baptism than mine. Because we will be born again from the Spirit. And he who is born from the Spirit is spiritual. So, uh, St. John said, my baptism is just a water baptism. But Christ, who is mightier than I, he will baptize you with a mightier baptism than my baptism. Then he said, in a very humble way, I cannot carry his sandals. I don't carry his sandals means I cannot put myself in his shoes. I'm just a runner. I cannot be the savior of the world. I cannot claim myself to be the Messiah or the Savior of the Lord. I cannot put myself in his sandals. I cannot put myself in his shoes. Uh, verse 12, after he said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire and here he used the fire unquenchable fire unquenchable fire so uh, he said the word fire here actually uh, represented the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples like tongues of 
fire. Because the Holy Spirit as a fire will enlighten, will illuminate the world. Or also as a fire, it will destroy and kill all the deadly grass and the deadly leaves in our life. It will purify us. As the fire purifies the gold, the fire of the Holy Spirit will purify us. So, it is fire uh, to symbolize the zeal, the power, the purification, its power to purify, and also to enlighten, because fire enlightens. Uh, then he spoke about his winnowing fan. The winnowing shovel it's used actually to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, and then actually the chaff will be uh, carried away by the wind. So the wheat will remain and the chaff will be carried away by the wind. In Palestine, grain was threshed on the outdoor threshing floor, either by hand or the trading of cattle. And then it was winnowed by casting it into, casting it into the wind. So first it was threshed either by hand or by cattle. And after it is threshed, they take it and one it in, in, in the wind. So here actually, the Lord is saying, when the Holy Spirit will come, the people who are like the wheat, they will be uh, separated, the believers or the like wheat, will be separated from the unrepentant, and the unbelievers who like the chaff. So the wheat will be gathered into the barn, the kingdom of heaven. But the chaff, the unbelievers, and the unrepentant will be burned by unquenchable fire. Uh, so the wheat here is the righteous, the chaff is the wicked, and Christ is the winner. And the barn is heaven, and the unquenchable fire is the hell. Verse 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? The Savior now introduced as about to enter his work. Here St. Matthew is introducing the Savior, the King, the Messiah. And the first thing he did to be baptized before starting his mission. Why? Why Jesus Christ was baptized? Definitely he did not need repentance. Definitely he did not came to baptism as the rest of the people confessing sins and asking repentance. But as you know, in this baptism the Holy Spirit descended on the head of Jesus and anointed him. 
anointed him to be our king, our prophet, and our high priest. And by the way, the word Christ means the chrismated one, the anointed one. And when we ask, when Jesus was anointed, when was he anointed? He was anointed in Jordan River. When the Holy Spirit descended upon his head to anoint him as our Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one. As our king, the king of kings, our prophet, and our high priest. So, baptism in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, was not a symbol of personal reformation and repentance because he said this but it was a symbol or an anointment to set him apart for his ministry to consecrate him to anoint him for his ministry as the high priest the king and the prophet uh, John the Baptist knew that Jesus is the Messiah so at the beginning, try to prevent him. No, I cannot baptize you. I am in need to be baptized by you. But uh, we know that when Jesus came before John, uh, perhaps John knew him by the Spirit as a prophet. So the Holy Spirit told him this is Jesus. Uh, and also, uh, the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, made John realize that he is the Messiah. Why I'm saying this? In John chapter 1, verse 33, he said, I did not know him. So he said, I did not know him means I never saw him before. But the spirit in John told him that this is the Messiah. So there is no contradiction. Yes, in John chapter 1, verse 33, he said, I did not know him, which means I never met him before. But the Spirit in John, the Holy Spirit in John, told, because John was filled by the Spirit from the womb of his mother, so told John, this is the Messiah. That's why he opposed him and told him, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. And John became certain that this is the Messiah when when he saw the Holy Spirit uh, descending on the head of Jesus Christ. As we read in the Gospel of St. John, and when the Holy Spirit told him, upon whom you will find the Spirit descending like a dove, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Uh, <coughs> so, this, this baptism was for the sinners, but Jesus humbled himself and accepted the baptism not only to be anointed, but also to fulfill all righteousness. What does it mean to fulfill all righteousness? We could not fulfill all the righteousness of the law. 
That's why Jesus came on our behalf to fulfill all the righteousness of the law. So when we abide in Him, in Him, we fulfilled all the righteousness of the law. That's why He said to John, it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Because I came here on behalf of my people. They couldn't fulfill all the righteousness. That's why I am here to fulfill all the righteousness on their behalf. So whoever accepts me and believes in me and abides in me, I will give him my righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. So he came and he obeyed the Jewish law. And he obeyed all the rights of the Old Testament, including the baptism, in order to fulfill all the righteousness. Uh, so he demonstrated perfect obedience. And he set a perfect example by submitting to the baptism and submitting to John the Baptist and allowing John to uh, baptize him. and in baptism, the Holy Spirit anointed him 
and God the Father acknowledged him as his son. Uh, so, in the same way, when we repent, when we humble ourselves, when we show absolute repent, uh, 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 absolute obedience and submission to God, then we will receive the Holy Spirit, will be another the Holy Spirit, and God the Father will acknowledge us as his children. <coughs> this is my beloved son in whom I am will please and will be pleasing to God the Father. Glory be to God forever and ever. Do you have any questions about this chapter? If not, I will uh, have some questions to review. By why? They, uh, they talk to the desert by Herod II. How come yeah. he didn't get killed like the other children of Israel? Uh, There's a story in the tradition that uh, when Herod was killing all the children, his father took him and put him on the altar. He said, I took him from the altar, so I put him on the altar. Then the angel of God carried him, carried John the Baptist, and uh, kept him in the wilderness till the day he appeared to Israel. Uh, let me ask some question. Isaiah prophesied about the ministry of the John the Baptist. So what are the highlights of the ministry of John the Baptist as prophesied by Isaiah? And I give the, the reference, chapter 40, verse 3. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he came to prepare the way of the Lord to make the, the path of the Lord straight. The Mutalukukanal messengers, they run before the king and paved the way. Isaiah completed and said what will happen. The valleys will be filled up and the hills will be leveled. Bravo, very good. What is the meaning of repentance? Yes. Uh, it's like turning around, change of mind. Metania, meta, change, noia means no mind. So change of mind. Change of mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Is the baptism of John the same like the baptism of the New Testament? No. 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 What's the difference? Yes, What's the difference? Baptism is just by water. But the baptism of the New Testament was born again of spirit and water. The Holy Spirit descended on the water. That's why this baptism is mightier than the baptism of John the Baptist. Uh, why John called the Sadducees and the Pharisees 
brood of vipers. Who are the Sadducees? Who are the Pharisees? And why he described them as brood of vipers? Because they are the most deadly poison more than the sun. Yes. Why? Why they are uh, poisons? Who are the Pharisees? It's the highest point of, of uh, poison. There's no more poison. Why? Why? Many Pharisees do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Pharisees and Muslims, they separated themselves because they felt they are better than anybody else. What is the main weakness in their form of, 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 of religion? So proud of themselves. So proud, Simon, that we Exactly. Nothing spiritual. Exactly. They focused on the outside form of religion without paying attention to the inner life. Hypocrites, uh, self-righteous, prideful, but there is no real change. What about the Sadducees? Who are the, what's the name of Sadducees came from? They are descendant of Saduk. That is their father's descent. Why their teaching is also poisonous? Very good. They did not believe in angels or the spirit. Angels or, or spirits or resurrection of the dead or divine inspiration. Very good. That's why he told them brood of vipers. Why Jesus was baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. The camera could be better. And to combine us with him for this Exactly. He fulfilled righteousness on our behalf. So when we abide in him, we 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 consider fulfilled the righteousness of the law in Jesus. Could I say beside this point? And so that um, he can get anointed as the so he get anointed as a high priest, as the um, prophet, and as a king. Bravo. Also, when the Holy Spirit descended on the head of Jesus, he, the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. Anoint, you know, in the psalm, Father Qalbi my heart uh, flowed with good uh, words. He said, uh, For God has anointed you more than all your companions. لذلك مسحق الله إلهك بزيت الفرح أكثر من جميع رفقائك. So the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus to be our High Priest, our King of Kings, and our the Prophet, our Prophet. And the word Jesus is His name, but Christ is a title. Christ means the Chrismated, the Anointed One. Al-Masih, Al-Mamsuh, Al-Masiyah, Messiah. Messiah means Mamsuh. So when Jesus was anointed in baptism. Last question, how many, yes. There is difference between he is one with the Holy Spirit and he is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he is one with the Holy Spirit from eternity. I feel in, in Leviticus chapter 2, the flower offering. The flower offering, God said to Moses, 
you uh, make the dew, mix it with oil. And after you mix it with oil, you anoint it with oil. Mix it with oil means Jesus, even from the moment of his birth, you know, he was born from the Holy Spirit and said, me, let's mix it with oil. But anointed with oil, that's what happened in baptism. And في فرق بين السيد المسيح. لما كان السيد المسيح عايز فرق من ثلاث حاجات. I want to differentiate between three things. As high eternal hypostasis with the Father and the Holy Spirit from eternity. Right? This hypostasis, this person of the Son, in the fullness of the time, he took flesh from Saint Mary and the Holy Spirit. So that, that is a second relation between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The first relation and the Son is eternally one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The second relation in his incarnation. He was born from the Holy Spirit and Saint Mary. Right? And he was incarnate from he was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. The third relation with the Holy Spirit in baptism, when the Holy Spirit anointed him. So we should not confuse these three relations with the Holy Spirit. Clear? Right. The last question. How many times the Father uh, testified for the Son? Yes. I interrupt this class. Enter, enter, enter. Maudet, very good. Transfiguration, very good. And yes, it's a temple for his crucifixion when he said, I have glorified and will glorify. Very good. Okay. Glory be to God forever. 